This is part two of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. I, I want to move back into the topic that we started on, and that is that is the amount of prep. Yep. And I think that, that um, the Erica, your first attempt, that looked like you put um, maybe four to six hours of prep into your Kickstarter. Am I close? I don't actually remember, but I will agree with you for the sake of moving forward. Okay. And then I would say that for the Kickstarter that actually went live, that you probably had um, a solid six weeks of prep. Yeah, that's that's about the right proportion. And and so, I mean, like 40-hour weeks here I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, there was... You know, there was uh, probably four days at your place working on a script and then filming it, and then there was another. It was probably a solid, solid two days trying to write the last two lines of the script, and then another few days filming it. And there was a lot more thought and research that went into finding the tools and and prepping the mailing list and getting things figured out, like how to do that. Like, yeah, there's a lot more homework that went into it. So you're right. Okay. All right. So um, I'm I'm kind of feeling like you know that's that's an important ingredient, and and I think now you've you had one Kickstarter that never came to life, and it was for the same product, and then you did the one. Um, do you think that your first Kickstarter would have succeeded? Me? So, so Erica. Oh. At the Kickstarter oh. that that never went live. I, I'm going to say that the correct answer is is like no, that Kickstarter would have never gone anywhere. It was lame. So I I, I told you that it, it sucked. I want to hear you agree that it would have never gotten funded. Um, I I would guess it would have been in the bottom third of the Kickstarters that it was running against at that same time or, or running alongside of. Like from from having then gone back and looked at other people's kickstarters and how they did, it might have barely gotten funded if I set the goal low enough. But it would not have done nearly as well as just I like the video was way lamer. Yeah, you know, way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, if I don't I don't know enough to say for sure whether it wouldn't have gotten funded, but it's a strong possibility that it would have like, and, and what I think what it would have really sucked to have happened would be if it like got to like two thirds of the goal and then like got almost funded, but not um, because then you've got like, you know, you've gotten most of the work to almost get there and you've got a bunch of people who are now disappointed and think they're going to get something they're not. And, well, 
Yeah, I, I think that your I think with your first Kickstarter the way it was set up, I don't think you would have even gotten half funded. And and that's like while going around we're trying to get everybody that we know to come and fund it. It's just that the Kickstarter was you know the, the video was weak, the rewards were weak, the description was weak, everything about it was weak. It it it, it kind of stunk of uh, like no one. Whoever's running this Kickstarter, is, they aren't even really trying, and and it kind of gives you this. And that's a big thing to talk about too. With with a lot of Kickstarter stuff, is, is when people come and they look at it, they got to get a feeling that this person is going to finish it, and you're going to get your thing. Because this is, in fact, there was a Kickstarter like five or six years ago. Uh, this gal had like uh, permaculture media or something like that. And she got $15,000 to put together a website. And she just took the money and ran. She just wow. disappeared. And, and there's a lot of shenanigans that happen on Kickstarter. So the people that come need to have some kind of confidence that it's going to actually get paid off. And I think that with the, the Kickstarter that you had before – like, like the Kickstarter that you ended up getting funding, that was a strong Kickstarter. I liked it. It had a good, strong video, good, strong rewards, and a good, strong description. And so then when people come, then I I think that they're kind of like they've, they see what they need to see to have confidence. I mean, granted, they all, a lot of them already know you and Ernie. They already know me, and they can, you know, so – they already are showing up a lot of confidence, but you know that might be just enough to get them onto the fence. And then I think that the strength of what was presented in the Kickstarter carried it the rest of the way. And they're like, "Yeah, I want to support this. I want uh, you know this is my this this really sings to me. This is what I want to support. This is where I want to put my money." Paul, what was the book that you had Erica read? You you kept talking about a book that Erica had to read. I think that I may have had her read a book that had to do with how to build a mailing list. Um, was that launch? Or that what was that? Launch. Yep, that's that's the one I was talking about that like sounded like a good idea, and it took me six months to actually buy it. Like I think I had the link up to purchase it at least three times during that six months. Okay. I, it was just it was that level of procrastination, but it yeah, it's a solid book. I I know that's the one that um, Justin Rhodes used. That I I watched one of a video that he did talking about how he has done his successful kickstarters, and he said that it was all because he he read that book and just followed it to the letter. So I've heard good things about Jeff Walker. I think is the type, the author Jeff Walker yeah. in the book launch. Yeah. Yeah. And you will find that a lot of what you're already doing with your audience, I I think. I mean, it sounds like you're a lot more sophisticated than I am with your audience, and you're going to find that it supports that the genuine relationship that you want to have with them. Um, okay. I think you like it. Well, I have read it twice. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of us just are really, really slow learners, and I thought I was doing it right, but no. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to state that I think that for a Kickstarter – you're going to have a minimum of one to four weeks of prep. And I think the more time you put into prep, the more you're going to get back out of it. But you've got to put in at least a week 
Um, and even if you put in only a week, you're going to get only a week's worth back out of it. Um, and I think I, I like I so I see. Oh, a good example is um, um, Olivier has a Kickstarter out now, and I know I've got a. Um, one of my many, many windows on my computer is, is that particular Kickstarter. There it is. Gracie's Backyard. And, um, I, I, it's, I'm not sure it's going to get funded. And, um, I have sent him like four or five emails saying, you know, how about if, can I help you in this way? Can I help you in this other way? And he seems disinterested in my help. And one of his responses seemed kind of like, um, uh, well, I guess, you know, before I go on video stuff, I should know whether or not I'm going to, you know, actually get paid for my time. Mm. Um, and so he's kind of, it seemed kind of defeatist. Um, but it does, it looks like it's not going to get funded, which would be unfortunate because it sounds like a really great project. Um, he's at Richard Perkins's place. He's got a video of, of Richard Perkins, who's fa- much farther north than I am. Um, and, uh, um, and on speaking of which, probably even farther, much farther north than Erica is. I think Erica is actually further north than I am. Um, and, uh, uh, in Sweden, I believe. Um, but, it's uh, uh, it sounds like I mean I've been, I've watched some of Richard Perkins's YouTube videos. He's got a nice channel, and I really really like this stuff. But here's the thing I wanted to point out is that in all of Olivier's Kickstarters, he has this thing. That it says okay in this particular Kickstarter, he's asking for fifteen thousand euros, and um, and he's got to put them down. And there's editing. Editing and post-processing, 1,500 euros. Uh, shipping and distribution, 2,505 euros. Um, so he's got all these different little things and how much they're going to cost and what it's going to go to in order to get the job done. Um, I've, I've always, I kind of like this uh, chart because it kind of gives me an idea of like, well, if I'm going to do a DVD project, here's about what it's going to cost to do it. And and he did have one where it was a four DVD project. And I'm like, you know, ripping through that one to try and get an idea of like how much it costs to to do all these different things and, and stuff. So, um, but that's, that's one of the things that, that it's like, if you, you don't have to publish it in your Kickstarter, he obviously does publish it in his Kickstarter, and the rest of us benefit greatly from that. And I do think that it gives the um, the buyers a lot of confidence because basically this is a substitute for going to the bank and asking for money. And so you kind of show where the money is going to be going. Um, I I do the same thing, and and when I and what I do is is that when I'm putting together a project that's a DVD project. I go and I look at Olivier's budget <laughs> to make sure I haven't forgotten anything when I'm putting together my budget. But then I, um, I, I, I come up with a number. So like this time I went, uh, and asked for, um, there's two pe- two other people I'm collaborating with on this project. And that's going to be Tim Barker, who's teaching the PDC and Daniel Bender, who's the video guy. And so then um, 
Daniel says he can do it, but he's going to need some equipment. And so then it's kind of like, okay, how much money do you need for equipment? So we're like writing down the different equipment and stuff like that. And then it's like, okay, we're going to need a fat internet pipe. Okay. So like what kind of internet, fat internet pipe is available? And man, that is a crazy topic for being out in the woods where we are. Um, <laughs> and so we've, we've come up with plan A, plan B and plan C. And plan A fell through. Um, plan B then grew into this awesome thing. And then we're like, depending on plan B, and then plan B turned to shit. So then we're implementing plan C. And while we're in the middle of implementing plan C, um, and now plan C is installed. We have plan C actually installed, ready to go. Plan A suddenly might come back to life. And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's totally crazy. But the thing is, is that we sit down and, and it's kind of like, um, how, what is the bare minimum amount of money that we need? And so Daniel's kind of like, he's going to be driving up here from Los Angeles to do it, if we do it at all. And, and so then he's kind of thinking like, okay, can, you know, to just cover his fuel back and forth and he put the minimum amount of coin into his pocket to make it so that he could be here at all. So it's like, if, if we got the $6,800, he'll do it. He'll do a good job and he'll be pissed about it, but he'll, uh-huh. and, and so then, and then with Tim Barker, cause, cause now, um, uh, Erica, I know you've met Daniel and you've worked with Daniel and Daniel takes excellent video. And, and I should say, I mean, I've seen, I've seen video that is more artistic, but, but Daniel gets it all captured for the kind of work that we're talking about doing. Daniel captures it. It won't be like, Academy Award winning in photography, kind of like, oh, look at the vistas. But it will be like, nothing is missed, which we've had problems with that before. Daniel will, in fact, if you're not careful, Erica might find herself wearing two microphones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the the backup. Like I've worked with a lot of people that like to take video from an art standpoint or for a personal like I like having a camera in my hand instead of being in front of the camera standpoint Daniel comes out of news and so he's used to having to document in real time which frankly is what it takes to get good video of Ernie because <laughs> um, Ernie's an event in action Ernie is action he doesn't you know he will go back and do a retake but it will not be the same thing he just did and so if you, you know, if you can do wildlife photography, if you can do news photography where your job is to anticipate what's happening and be there and have an angle already set up while the thing happens, like if you can, if you're a good enough tracker to guess where Ernie's going, you can get really nice footage. Um, but if, you know, if you need actors, <laughs> we're not it. <laughs> but on, the thing is, of course, and it's exactly it's exactly it. It's going to be a you get one shot at at getting it because the show must go on, and and so. Um, uh, but the thing is, is that it's if is that the whoever's taking the video is going to try to get a quality thing, something that they could work with, and and of course that's a pain in the ass, and and so Tim. 
is putting on a PDC. He's put, he wants to put on the best PDC there's ever been by Tim's standards. Mm-hmm. And, and Daniel would only get in his way. And so, uh, basically it boils down to like, <laughs> yeah, you see where I'm going with this? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. No, we had this at the science museum. Good education does not make good television and vice versa. Like it is useful to be able to do a double. A two, a two take thing where the audience that's there hands on gets in it. And then you also get to talk to the presenter for 20 minutes afterwards about, okay, what was that? Like all we saw was the back of a bunch of people's heads. All right. So, so basically, all right. So we ended up with $6,800 covers the equipment, the, um, the, the, uh, internet pipe. Um, and, and it's minimal equipment, minimal inter- internet pipe. Um, minimal for Daniel, and of course Tim's already here, but it's like, you know, Tim, don't hurt Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah. so it's like, because uh, um, Tim's great. Tim is really awesome, um, and at the same time it's kind of like, uh, but he doesn't want that camera in his way, which yeah. is legit, and we, you know, and we've got everything worked out, but it's kind of like, all right, so bare minimum. So out of all of this, I get zero. I get absolutely nothing. But, of course, I've put in an enormous amount of time before the Kickstarter even starts. And so if we got barely funded, I would get zero. But now that we're overfunded, I do get to have some. Yay. Yay. So that's that's always a good thing. I, all right. The, the, the key is, I guess I'm, I'm having a very long-winded way of saying – that you've got to do a budget. You've got to try and think of everything that you need in order to get through it. And I think we actually ended up at a number of like um, 6,200. And then, of course, then you've got to think, okay, Kickstarter is going to take 10%. Kickstarter doesn't actually take 10%. Kickstarter takes 5%. And then there's going to be stuff like credit card fees and stuff like that, which are all over the place. And then there's going to be a few people that pledged and then didn't put up money. And so I think it's always a safe bet to just say 10%. Kickstarter's going to take 10%. Um, and then add a couple hundred extra just for whatever you didn't think of that's going to come and haunt you. Um, so 6,800 is what we ended up with. Um, and, and that's that's from a budget of looking over all the possible numbers that we would possibly need for all the different angles on all of this to make it all work. And and it's like there's probably still things we haven't thought of that are going to be related to this, but I think we made a pretty pretty thorough list. So so when I when you're talking about that and and putting a budget together for me, it isn't. My 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 price that I put out there was five thousand, and and it had nothing to do with equipment. What it primarily had to do with was paying an assistant to help me with what she could help me with, and the sheer um, number of hours that I would put into filming and then editing myself. It wasn't it wouldn't be somebody else doing it, and the, the what I had asked for was just to cover the gap that would be between my being able to make videos for my own channel that support my family or being able to put a lot of hours into creating this project. So mine is like paying an assistant and, and just keeping uh, some kind of uh, budget as far as 
hours that I wouldn't be spending on my own channel. So is that the wrong way to look at that? I, I, for all of the projects that I have done, um, when I set the goal, I paid myself zero. And, and I, and I kind of feel like the spirit of Kickstarter is something where it's like not about paying me, like, like I'll get the profit, like once the product exists, then I get to have profit afterwards. Okay. Now, of course, if the Kickstarter brings in more than what my goal is, then it's possible that I get the profit from that. Um, but you got to also keep in mind uh, a lot of Kickstarters, you know, like they'll ask for $20,000, they will get $200,000, and then they go to try to create the product and they go bankrupt. And it's like there's a lot of stuff that they didn't think of that burned them in the end. A lot of who knows what. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's worth thinking about your you know your internet bill and all the things you got to do to support the family while you're doing it. It's also it's worth thinking also about there there is a little bit of an effect where when a Kickstarter is not just funded but is like 200% funded or higher. There's some people like where just success breeds success, and the more popular it looks, the more people want to get in on it, and the percent overfunded is one of those things that those kind of people look at. So if you can set a goal, like one of the one of the things I would I would have liked to have done that I think I've seen Paul do is like, okay, we've got this glorious vision of what we want to do. And then when we set our initial goal, we don't promise all of plan A. We promise like the pared down version, like here's what we could absolutely do for this minimum goal. And then we have parts of the glorious vision that we can throw in as stretch goals as we get past that point. Um, so if you, if you want to go for a smaller minimum funding goal so that you're more guaranteed to get funded and you're more likely to, um, get that sort of early buzz thing happening, then um, you still have to be super careful and realistic in your budget. But you can think about, like, if you did one 20-minute one video that was your basic and then you added on to it, like, like, like maybe there, maybe it's a thing where your final – I don't know, it's just I'm brainstorming. If it was – your final product was going to be a 10-part series – and that would be your ideal way to present it to people that really wanted to understand it deeply. You could do a minimum that was a three-part series and then add more episodes with these topics that you'd already thought about as you get to a higher funding level. Okay. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense for sure. I, I think that the thing to do is, is not pay yourself. Now, granted, exactly – what Erica just said is that, oh, you got to pay your bills and things like that. And, um, okay, I, you know what? That might be a place where I have a big advantage in doing a Kickstarter in that I've already built my residual income streams. So that way my, my bills are pretty much zero. Right. So, well, and and one of the problems is that like my residual income stream is really residual it really is there but i 
it, it drops. If, if I'm not really tending to my, to my business, it drops to a point where I have to build it back up again. And it takes me a couple months to build it back up to the point where it's, you know, doing what it needs to be doing. And so my, my, my very smallest commodity right now is time. It is my very smallest commodity. The thing I have nothing left to squeak through on is just time. Okay. So what you're saying is, is that you want to be able to do a Kickstarter and then the funds that are raised, the, the minimum goal level is to pay you to make this, you know, video, to, to be the um, the teacher as well as the video editor, et cetera. Right. It's it the the amount is just as a buffer because my channel will struggle while I'm making this video because I don't want it to be a hack video. I don't want it to be something where I just sit down and did a one take wonder. I wanted it to be something of quality and I really can't do that with the amount of time that I have right now and keep the YouTube channel thriving. Okay. All right. All right. I um I I, I wanna come back to, to drawing up a plan for your Kickstarter um, closer towards the end of this podcast. But, um, I mean, I, I kind of feel like in general I want to move away from, like, make a video to make a webinar. I think I think that you should, you know, have a, a, a class-like thing that you do um, and that, that gets videoed and people could buy the video of the webinar or, you know, participate in the webinar. Right. I think, okay. I think that's the model I want based on what you've said so far. Um, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm saying that for the Kickstarters that I've done, I don't pay, I set the goal, I don't pay me. Um, but I, I, I guess other people would have to do that. I mean, when you're saying this, it sounds like you can't, if, if it got barely funded, like what you asked for plus a dollar, it sounds like you wouldn't be. It's 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 guaranteed to fail unless uh, you're getting paid somehow. Right. And so that would have to be part of the part of the goal amount to be sure. Yeah. Um, so you you work for your living. You're you're fully occupied making the living the way that you're doing it. And so you would either have to hire someone to do the extra work that you're taking on, or you would hire someone to do your work while you took on this extra work. It's like, right. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. So that's a realistic thing. If you, if you doing this on too scanty of a budget would mean that you then lost some of like, you couldn't pay the internet and you wouldn't be able to put it out. That's a recipe for failure. I would, right. I would love to talk like it. I think Paul's goal here is to make it be sort of a generic about Kickstarter that would help lots of people. And I would love to talk more with you specifically about, like, what would make it work for you in your particular case and right. and whether there's ways to bring in some other collaborators that might be able to support you buying that time. There's, a, there's another um, video mama that I know that might be fun to talk to, so maybe we should talk after this as well. Okay, thank you. Video mamas. <laughs> <laughs> They're out there. Look, I gave birth to a video. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, one of the things Erica just said was hire someone. <clears throat> and that was the thing that killed me 
last year. <laughs> uh-huh. For my last Kickstarter. And it was like, I, I, I kind of felt like do not start the Kickstarter unless you've already got the people lined out. And I did. I had, I had an excellent editor lined out. And then, um, the day that I gave him, when the Kickstarter was over, it's like, okay, here's your cut. And then now we do the editing. And he said, I quit. <gasps> oh. Yeah. And, and it's like, I couldn't make heads or tails out of what he was saying. And it's like, I'm just, I'm out of here. Just don't feel like doing it. And, and it's like, and this was the first time I was working with this guy. And, and so it's like, holy shit, I am so fucked. Cause of course I had all the rest of my life planned out for other things of not editing. It's kind of like I did my work, <laughs> you know, and, and it's like, Oh no. And so then that burned me badly. Um, and so, but you say, and then it's like, okay, now you just hire someone. Well, I've worked with videographers before who are like, I'm a professional videographer. And then I would give them some, like a YouTube video. Okay, edit up this YouTube video. And and then I would soon learn a couple of important things. Usually for these people where I do this, it's like part one, I could edit it better. I could do a better job. I've edited YouTube videos, and I could do a much better job than what you did. And part two, I spent more time talking to you about editing the video than it would have taken me to do it myself. Right. And so what's the point of having you here? So it's it's like, whereas when I worked with Bart, then the great thing with Bart is, is that what Bart cranked out was five times better than anything I could have ever made. And he did it five times faster than I could have done it but he took like 1% of my time of the time it would have taken me to edit it. It's like he hardly took any of my time and he just sent me amazing video. Um, so then, then Erica just says, hire someone. <laughs> oh, Erica. Well, well, I mean, realistically, those things could happen. <laughs> and so if, like, if it's possible for you to set up your main channel for the homesteading um, YouTube channel so that you give some pre-recorded, like, two-minute intros to introduce uh, someone else's as a guest video, pull some guest videos that you think will interest your audience that are already made by someone you like as a cross-promotion for their channel. Right. Um, and just, you know, could you preload three months of once-a-week video where your audience gets to see your face and get reminded that you're working on this cool project that they will also benefit from once it's done and gets to see some other content that, that keeps them coming back to you and also cross promotes with these other channels. Like if you could preload your channel so that you knew you could take the time to do it yourself if you need to, for me, that would, that would be like a nice security blanket. Well, and it's a it's a great idea because it is a great way to collaborate. And I have done some small videos like that before. The the at the at the level that my channel is at, the hard thing is is that I'm aiming for hundred thousand view videos per video, and I do a daily video, 
And that's where it comes into, into hardship because on a short-term basis, it works very well to do that. And I think it's a, a wonderful idea. But because I make a daily video, it's hard for other creators to keep up with me yeah, as far sure as like, like it. as far as like the daily content. Other people are making better videos than I am, but they're not putting them up daily. And unfortunately with the YouTube algorithm, they're not looking for quality. They're looking for quantity right now. And that's why it's why I came up with the Kickstarter in the first place. Cause I'm like, there's no way I'll have time for this. And there's no way for me to teach people because my time is being sucked up, but I I'd rather go to once a week videos, but I can't afford to do it right now. And so I, a reflection of this Kickstarter is just the mess that YouTube is in right now, which to all intents and purposes, it's just a mess right now. So Okay. The whole thing. All right. is, is, there, is there any way that this lesson could be a once a week thing on your regular channel without it messing up your channel? I have done it that way before, and the views on it are completely insignificant. They're very okay. insignificant videos, um, so, unfortunately. So even, even if you're fitting it in between the other things, it's still damaging your channel in a sense. Yeah, in a sense, because people don't want to see the two mixed. Okay. All right. One to four weeks of prep. And one of the things you got to do is you, is you got to put together a business plan. You got to do the math. You got to figure out what is the bare minimum to get by with. Um, and um, so, you know, try to think of anything else that you got to, got to, got to have. So if you do get just the bare minimum, that you could put out an excellent product. And then, of course, there's the possibility that that you'll be able to sell more of it later as the years pass. And so then, you know, that will take the sting out of being barely funded. But I think being barely funded, it should sting. It's going to sting if you're just barely funded. And that's how you pick the number, um, but that you are going to get it done. Because I think, so, so far, I think there is something to be said for obligation is poison. And if you're barely funded, that's going to be the poisoniest of the poisons. Um, like, you have to do it. And at the same time, what the amount of money you got was kind of trivial and pointless. But you still have to do it. And you have to do a good job. I mean, if nothing else, um, you, you, you're going to probably try another Kickstarter later. I thought that with the uh, the one about... Uh, wood burning stoves 2.0 that if we didn't get funded, because I was kind of like looking at like okay, we've got 24 hours of footage and we're going to try and squeeze it into four DVDs and it, I just couldn't help but think man, that's a lot of editing work and so then if we don't get funded then I've got an excuse to get out of it because no one's giving <laughs> money for all this video and and it's like now I don't have to edit it. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking like if we got only seventeen thousand dollars, which would mean that we got zero, because that's how Kickstarter works. Then I don't have to do all the work. And then when people are like, "Hey, I wish I could have gotten video for that," and it's like, "Yeah, but the Kickstarter didn't get funded, so we couldn't edit it." And I'm I'm kind of on this. So with with Julianne being like, "Oh, these people are asking me." How do you grow a channel? And it's like, well, I thought I could put together this class, but it didn't get funded. So I guess, you know, I guess I'll have to give you like one-on-one -on -one hourly consultation or something on how to do that. 
Um, but uh, um, I would I would suspect that it would get funded if we set it up correctly, which hopefully we're going to get to here in a little bit. But what I'm trying to do now is talk about prep. When you're prepping for it, you're going to make your business plan, and then the next thing you're going to need to do is to make an excellent video. You're going to need to have an excellent image that is your primary image. Uh, you're going to need to have excellent rewards. The description for the whole Kickstarter needs to be excellent. Um, next up, you, you need to, before your Kickstarter is launched, you definitely need a marketing plan. Um, and so we're going to talk about that more in a moment. Um, and then before your Kickstarter is launched, while you're putting all this stuff together, you're going to need to do exactly what Erica talked about a little bit ago, and that is study other Kickstarters. So um, the thing that I think is is one of the most important ones to look at is the ones where uh, Kickstarters that are about to end. Um, and, and look at how uh, most of them have zero funding, nothing at all. Um, and they're only, and there are still quite a few after that that have just like $1 or $5. And it's probably something like a quarter of them, maybe less, uh, maybe 20% are funded. And so, you know, but if nothing else, go out there and just see how many people have tried and failed. And so get it and look at a few of those. Find out why. Find ones that have failed that are a lot like what you're about to put out. Try to get an idea of why they failed. Um, definitely look at stuff that's similar to yours uh, that have succeeded as well as failed. Um, or succeeded, better yet, succeeded wildly. They did great. Next, I'd say read lots. There's tons of articles out there on the Internet uh, from people that um, did a Kickstarter or uh, that did a Kickstarter and succeeded and what was their secrets of success or did a Kickstarter and failed and why they believe that they failed. And so, you know, gather up all of that information. Um, so... I would say that, uh, uh, so we're estimating that Erica spent a solid six weeks of prep before her successful Kickstarter. And I would say that, uh, um, she was funded and, and in, um, I think, I think that before the big spike for the last seven days, if you look at just the first three weeks, and so you were barely funded, that, um, I would guess that even at that point, Permies.com was probably about a third of that. Is that fair? Erica? I, I don't remember um, the first part. I remember the final numbers. Right. Okay, so there was... But yeah, Permies, Permies was, I think, already somewhat higher than the, the amount that was coming in from Kickstarter the first couple of weeks. Um and some of the people who were officially coming in from Kickstarter, I knew they were part of the Permies community too. They just happened to have flagged it because like, I put that preview link out on Permies at one point. So there were right. people following it before it started that signed up in the first, you know, hour. And and that's a thing I haven't written down is that I know that like for this Kickstarter, because because um, Daniel got the video to me so late that then it was like, okay, we have to trim days off of the Kickstarter. And he's like, he's, he's emailing me like twice a day, you know, is the Kickstarter started yet? <laughs> you know, he was like, oh, it's got to get going. 
And uh, the thing I said is like, okay, we got to put together all the images and all the rewards and all of this and all of that. And then once we've got it polished just as much as we can, then we got to go to our peeps and and ask people, especially people that are um, at, that are experienced Kickstarter supporters. Like um, we've got a couple of people that have supported like I think. Like a hundred Kickstarters, and so then they've got some definite advice about how to set up a proper Kickstarter. And uh, so we've got um, uh, a, a bunch of people within the the Permies world. There's the Plotskateers, and we ask them to take a look at it. So anyway, when you're at the point where your Kickstarter has not yet launched, um. And but you've gone as far as you can go, and you're about ready to launch. You've got to go to all of your advisors. You know, go to you know, pass it around to a few hundred people, and ask for their feedback. How does it look? What could I change? What's you know? And and in our case, um, the Plotskateers came back, and they found like 20 typos. Um, you know. Some of the grammar wasn't quite right in the description. Uh, we left something out here or there, or there were some inconsistencies. So we got some excellent advice from the Plotskateers about how to polish the Kickstarter. And um, and then another, another one was is that they felt like some of the reward levels, the pricing was a little bit wonky. And so then they made some suggestions about changing the pricing. And I thought they made a really good point, so I did. I changed. I changed the pricing, um, and uh, I don't know there was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, but the the great thing is, is that that's an important step, and that's that would be a step that they would recommend in the book launch. Um, and that's you know definitely don't don't just subject your audience to your Kickstarter, but instead get them involved. Have them. If this is a community thing, and these are your this, these people are your community, and they want to support you. They're awesome people, and and work with them. And so then, I think that that's important. So so Daniel was chomping like, yeah, you gotta get it going. And I'm like, nope, we've got a process, and so we got to give our peeps a day or two to to tell us how to polish it up. So we did that. We we had a good full two days of polishing the Kickstarter before it goes live, and um, and and so. But part of it was, as a lot of them, I think, are now more interested in supporting it because they helped to shape it. So it's always, I think, that's a, always an important step. And I didn't put it on my list of things to talk about, so I'm glad that that you brought it up, Erica. Yeah, no, that was that was the big thing that I got from launch, and then it seems like that sort of comes naturally to you, Paul, because the the forums have been sort of a big interactive community where you build your audience, and so so you you have the plotsketeers, you have this sort of like secret minion army type stuff going on where people are actively involved because you know, and because it's a cause, it's something that that everybody wants to see happen for the greater good. And I think that, um, Juliana, I think, I think you probably have that with your audience too. It's about, we want to see good, good families on good land doing good land care. Even if, even if half your audience might be in an apartment fantasizing about maybe getting there one day, 
there's still that there's there's still that sense that we're we're part of something together, and that yeah that that's a huge part of of how Kickstarter feeds off of that sense of shared mission, whether it's a cool thing or a uh, niche or uh, a mainstream thing. It's it still feeds off that sense that we're in it together. I, I think it would have been good for Julianne to put out a video to say, and maybe Julianne did and I didn't know, to put out a video saying, okay, I'm doing a Kickstarter. And this is the part where I need everybody's advice. Over here it is. It's ready for people to preview. The Kickstarter's not up. But I need to, I need feedback on how to shape this Kickstarter. Uh, Go ahead. I, I didn't do that, and one of the reasons I didn't do that is I was actually struggling with the Kickstarter program a little bit. It was not saving things that it should, and I was struggling with it. But at the same time, I I think I felt a little bit of, I don't know if shame is the right word, because I, I wanted to be doing a Kickstarter about homesteading, but instead I was doing a Kickstarter about YouTubing. And so I, I do, I think the emotion I was feeling was a little bit of shame. Like if I put this up, maybe nobody will notice. I know there's, maybe the people who've been asking me will notice and they'll take part in it, but maybe hopefully the rest of my audience won't notice because this isn't the video I'd rather. <laughs> I want to talk yeah. about permaculture. Um, but these people keep asking. And so there's some shame, I think, involved where I'm like, oh, please don't anybody watch this. <laughs> Yeah, well, I had some shame when I put my first, like, hey, I'm thinking about launching this Kickstarter, and then it was a full year before I actually did. Like, that was so embarrassing to have that out there, but in hindsight, it was honest. It, it, occasionally people on the thread be like, hey, you gonna do it yet? I'd be like, no, we're down in Texas getting your new leg or whatever. You know, (laughs) and it's like, but it's real, and so there was, there was probably 30 people that were watching that and as soon as it went live, they jumped in. Like, it was like the first half hour I had a dozen pledges because people were watching the struggle, and they care about the struggle. Right. And it's it's so, yeah, some of the ones that make it big are really slick, and they make impossible claims. Like, there was one going on during ours that was, like, the world's first real parka made by Canadians, and it's just like, there's, there's like, fucking hundreds of jackets out right. there. This is, like, way overhyped. <laughs> Um, so there's, there's certainly slick people out there using it for just marketing, but slick is, slick is not us. I think it's like, like you're, you're probably, you're probably more on top of the the marketing and algorithms and stuff than I am, but it's like, that's, that's probably not why your audience loves you. They love you. Like, like you, you don't get an audience like that unless you have something genuine that you're, um, that you're doing in this in this field, and you know when you're doing homesteading or permaculture things like that, there's a there's a sense of shared mission, there's a sense of shared struggle, and it's okay to let some of the rough parts show. In in this milieu, that does seem to sometimes work out well rather than being something to be ashamed of. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> I think like your technique is something you know for growing your youtube channel is is something that may very well be unique just to homesteaders i i think that it's a it's a way to grow a youtube channel that non-homesteader people won't be able to use okay i mean you're going to have advice to all youtube channel people but i think that um i mean the thing that you're talking about is a is a flavor of collaboration 
between homesteaders, it's going to be like, and now I'll come to your homestead, and now you come to my homestead. And so it's right. Kind of, you know, that's something that you can't really do, um, you know, in other ways. So I think it, I think it is something that is for homesteading. And it's also kind of this thing of like, okay, so now you're out in the middle of nowhere and you need some income. And let's all talk about residual income streams. And this is a way. And there's a lot of ways to work this system. And there's a way to work the system and make some money. And the people that are on the other side are loving it. And so, you know, let's make this work for everybody. Let's leverage the Internet for the people that are living out in the sticks. So do you think it would be appropriate, instead of just hiding my head in shame and being like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed I made this and it sucked, instead should I go out to my audience and be like, okay, guys, I took this down, but I still think you need it. So I'm going to be working on this over time. Help me with some ideas. Or how do I reapproach this now that I've taken it down? I think yeah, no, put it put it out there as a preview. Just be like, I'm I'm looking at doing this. I don't feel like it's quite there yet. Um and I feel like I want it to be I want it to be the version that's actually useful for us, right? Like you and me, audience and me. I want this, like, if I'm going to do this thing, it's going to take time. And you may not know how much time I already put into what we're doing together, but I, I can't, I, I don't feel right taking the time away from you unless it's what we want. Right. You know, does that make okay. sense? Yeah. Erica, I'm going to challenge you then. And that sure. is, do you still have that video that was part of your first Kickstarter? Probably. Do you need me to try to find it? <laughs> it's like, I don't delete things very often, so as long I don't think I'm still I'm still on the same computer, so I've probably got it. Okay. Because because here's you what you want to see this sucky video. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that you just said to Julianne, like, go ahead and put that back, put the video up or whatever, and say, you know, hey everybody, this is my Kickstarter video. Uh, give me feedback and. And I'm thinking, okay, um, Erica, what if you took your video, your first video, and then you put that up onto YouTube and said to all your friends, hey, look at this and give me feedback. Cons- no, I wasn't, I was not suggesting putting the sucky Kickstarter video on your YouTube channel for your huge audience. I was thinking in terms of letting like like putting it down in the comments or something like that, the link to preview the Kickstarter so that people who cared enough to get involved in that project, like I'm thinking about doing a how-to-do-YouTubing thing. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, click this link, go through and see my sucky Kickstarter temp- like, like, like thing and help me figure out how to make it actually work better. Right. So, okay. so not not taking up prime time space. More like 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 find the people who want it and get them involved in what it's going to take to make it actually happen. And then you're starting to build the little niche niche of your audience that the cares and get excited. That cares. Yeah. Okay. Does that make more sense? Yeah. Yeah. And bear in mind that I am fascinated by this idea, and it sounds like it would be really useful for me to watch what you do. And I am way lagging behind in terms of, like, I occasionally manage to take still photos 
like like so far the only thing I do regularly is take pictures of my woodshed while I fill it in the spring and put it on my blog. Um, it's like well, that's good and, to hear. <laughs> you know, like like trying to work out the balance between when does putting it out there motivate me to get stuff done, and when does it just become a cat in the hat and intimidate me, and when do I just have to go and and sort of run quiet and and do my thing because I'm I'm not nearly in the space you are as far as reaching an audience of that size or making a full-time living off of that internet leverage stuff. Well, each person has has their own strengths. Yeah. Right. I don't write well. I'm not good at writing. What's it? Ernie, what are you saying? We are actually in that spot. We have an international audience. We have a huge international audience. So you've been complaining for a while about yeah. Having nobody that's working with you. And you've got somebody who understands more about it than you do at this point. <laughs> so I agree with Ernie. That, <laughs> that okay, basically, I, here's Erica saying, oh, you know, I wish I could be more like Julianne. And it's like, no, you're, you've got your own thing going on. And, and it's like, Look at all the, the rocket mass heater plans you've published. And then the book. Julianne, do you, you have a book. Well, but it's like, I don't know. I, the thing I, I think what I'm trying to say is I love brainstorming, and I don't know your business well enough to give you good ideas about your business. Does that make sense? Yes, because I don't. <laughs> like, I am not somebody that markets well on anything but video. I'm not good at marketing on Facebook. I'm not good at marketing with my blog. I'm not good at those genres. I am good at video. And and thus why I'm here talking to somebody who has a forum and somebody who writes how-to books is because I am stuck in my genre and I want to move out of it and I want to improve myself. It's it's I'm not trying to be a better kind of me I'm trying to learn from you and and get out of my box a little bit and and so it's uh any any kind of marketing is hard for me I'm 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 kind of in the same spot coming the other direction I I like the I like the part that I do uh and it feels like there's some parts that you do and there's some parts that Paul does that if I did them like well let's say right now I do them about once a quarter Mm-hmm. And if I did them once a month, I'd be in a lot better shape. <laughs> right. If I could get to where I do them once a week, I might be, I might be in a lot better leverage position to to do some of the other stuff. I can do. All right. All right. The next item on my list is make an excellent video. And and I think that I mean, for a Kickstarter, this is the top of the list. This is this is probably the number one bit of advice. If you don't have an excellent video and you have great marketing, you're not going anywhere. Um, but if you have an excellent video and you have shitty marketing, you're, you're going to make some progress. So the, the video is so, so critical. Um, and, and I think most people are not going to make an excellent video. Um, and uh, so it's kind of like, all right, well, what, what makes for an excellent video? And this is really difficult to measure. But, okay, step one. I want to strongly encourage people to make a video that's under two minutes. Um, and now my, my recent Kickstarter is a one minute video. It's exactly 60 seconds long. And I think it cuts to the chase on why we're going to Kickstarter 
and it shows it's a tightly edited scripted video and it it puts a lot of stuff on the screen throughout it so i think by the time you get to the end of the 60 seconds you've got a really good idea of what the product is and you, i think you will also have a pretty good idea that there's a lot of people involved and that these people are professionals um all in 60 seconds does that seem you know do the two of you the two both of you have seen the video would you agree with this analysis i am ashamed to say i've not actually seen the video i like the image and i'm i'm a word person i don't i don't click on videos it's, it's like a leftover habit from my slow internet okay <laughs> so uh generally speaking your kickstarter videos are consistently short catchy tend to tend to move at a really nice pace <laughs> and then of course you're in a lot of them <laughs> i mean that and actually that's a negative for me i hate watching myself on video and so the fact that i like your videos even though i'm in them probably speaks really well for your editing <laughs> oh i see okay 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 <laughs> But, but you're right there are a lot of people that will look at a Kickstarter page and they will not watch the video but they are the exception and not the norm i would yeah. guess that um a uh, 90 to 95% are going to watch the video and they won't look at they will look they will watch the video and they might read the first paragraph um but then they're going to go read the rewards and i would i'm going to guess that more than half of the people who support a kickstarter don't ever read the full description like probably don't even read a quarter of the description whereas you're going to be the exception you're going to read the description and not watch the video yeah i'm weird that way Yeah. And and again, I'm going to support Kickstarters that give me something off grid. I think a lot of your audience on Kickstarter is very online. And I'm like, "Ooh, a thing with fil- water filter bottles that I can take with me next time I go to a village where they're carrying water by donkey." You know, it's like, <laughs> like I'm I'm coming at this from Well, and I'm 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 wondering if some of your homesteading audience might be that way. And again, I think I was under the illusion that more people would be like me coming from the old school. And I, I think I think you're right, Paul. That a lot of the audience is going to care like they want to see good video quick. Right. More than they want to read. I think you're right. I think I I think that uh but the other thing is is that a lot of people um uh are going to I mean Kickstarter videos tend to be really short and so then it's like even if they're in a scenario where it's like my internet connection is so poor it's going to have to buffer forever then it's like well but a a Kickstarter video is generally so short that it'll only have to buffer for like half a minute before I can watch it and I can do that well and Juliana's audience is is YouTube it's it's going to be pre- predominantly video watchers which is which is why it was really dumb that i didn't take some time and edit which is the the hilarity <laughs> of it that i can make a half a million view video but i didn't make a half a million view video for my kickstarter i mean 500 view video for my kickstarter well and that's the thing about the uh the learning curve on these things is like you're trying to do something new and 
and that's the kind of dumb mistakes I was making. Like there were things that in hindsight, duh, I like, I did already know that and I didn't do it in this case because it is a huge amount to process going to a new medium. Right. Okay. So Julian, you saw my video. I took you on faith. <laughs> I would, I would, I would be part of one of your Kickstarters. Pretty much just knowing that from the past that you give solid Kickstarters and it's worth participating. And I've been to your place so that I want to support things. So for me, I took it on faith and I read the description. And <laughs> I'm sorry. That's such a bad example. Like you're, you're totally right about people wanting a good video. And both of us are like, yeah, I don't care. But yeah, they, they care, but I don't care. And and it, I've seen other videos of yours, and I thought they were fantastic. The world domination gardening and everything. I loved those videos, but on this one, it was so fast. I didn't. I like you hadn't been talking about it for very long, and I looked at. It, I'm like, that is so cool. That's awesome. They're doing that. I'll just take it on faith. Uh, uh, okay, so I'm trying to make a point, and I thought I could depend on both of you. I'm sorry. I mean. <laughs> Erica, your face is on the on the cover of the video. I keep skipping the video, like trying to find the image that has my face on it, and going like like having to hunt around on the Permis forum to find the image instead of the video. It's like yeah, no, and that's the but the thing I think that it does reinforce your point is that people are looking for a feeling. They're looking for a feeling of professional, a feeling that this is really happening, and it takes seconds for somebody to make that first impression, and yeah. so. If you don't get to your point until minute four, the chances that somebody's going to have tuned out by then are very high. Now, I gotta say that right now, uh, the conversion rate for um, uh, this Kickstarter is fifteen percent. Wow. Which I yeah, wow indeed. Because because normally, I think a lot of businesses are like, if you can get a conversion rate that's two percent, you're doing pretty good. And, but I think a conversion rate of 15% is extremely high. And I think that part of it is that the, the Kickstarter video is so very short. It's 60 seconds long. And, and I, well, anyway, all right. The point I'm trying to make is to, is make an excellent video. The point which both of you have dropped a big steamer on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even look at the video. Okay, so uh, um, well, see now I want to if it's if yeah, it's going. Me too. I mean, because it's better that it's clearly going better than some of your previous Kickstarters, which I already thought were very strong and, and in a lot of ways stronger than my first attempt. Well, as a non-video artist. So let's see. Um, for the uh, the playing cards, I got seventy thousand. For the wood burning stoves two point I got ninety two thousand. For better wood heat, I got. 105,000 for, uh, world domination gardening, I've got 65,000. So this thing is on course to come in at about, probably, probably will barely hit 50,000. So my first stretch goal right now is it, or my, actually my second stretch goal, the stretch goal that's, it's open right now is for 50,000 and we'll see if we, if we hit that. But, um, uh, you know, is it going to do better? Is it is it going to come near world domination gardening, which would be the next my, my lowest? So this might be my lowest Kickstarter, with the exception of um, 
you know, my very first one, which was, which got $1,100. But I kind of expected that. I kind of thought that we would be doing good if we hit, like, we'd be doing awesome if we hit $10,000. And so I'm, I'm so, this is such a new thing for me, this whole area. I wasn't sure how many people would even be interested in doing it. And so I, and based on the poor man's polls I did beforehand, I kind of thought, yeah, maybe we can, maybe we can get together, you know, $6,800. We'll be barely funded and we'll go ahead and do it. And then just hope that over the next several years, enough people buy it that I don't feel, you know, too much anger about it. You know, like I'll get my money later. And in the meantime, you know, Tim and, and uh, Daniel will, will get some money and, It'll be good enough. Um, so, well, yeah, but isn't wasn't one of your highest grossing Kickstarters also the one that gave you the most uh, trouble as far as editors dropping out, and it was just a, a really ambitious project. And then there was also all kinds of things that that kind of had a little bit of a, a spiral of death going for a little while, and you managed to pull it out. But I mean, for me, the if you got people who think they might be interested and they click through and then the conversion rate is very high, like having a project that's, that knows its identity, it's solid. You've got a really good way to present it. And so if people think they might be interested, they go look at it and the answer is yes, I'm going to fork out however many dollars. Um, like to me, that's more interesting because it feels like there's a lot of integrity there. Just getting a big number. If that, if, that's not the whole story of whether the project is successful to me. It's like, is the project is the project going to support me doing this in a way that that feels good at the end of the process? Does that make sense? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, I I'd rather I make how many people twenty thousand on a $200 project than 150000 on a million-dollar project. Okay. I see what you're saying. Does that make sense? Uh, like, if, if I could if I could kickstart, you know, somebody said he was going to make potato salad. Which is the famous kickstarter. The famous potato salad. It's like, if you can, if you can get it to work in a way that vastly exceeds what you need for your minimum, then it becomes sustainable. And if you can, if you're doing a, a project where it may be a large number, but it doesn't, in fact, turn a large profit for you, then well, you've, you you end up overcommitted. You end up stretched. So one of the things that I'm currently exploring, and I've been in talks with Alexander Ojeda, is about making a second deck of permaculture guards. And... Um, the, the, but the idea would be to set the the goal extremely high because the idea is to try and sell the cards for a very low price, but you've got to get them in such a high quantity that you could do the low price. And then the idea would be to hand them out. So, so anyway, you're you're trying to say something mm-hmm. about like setting the goal low but getting a lot more money than setting the goal oh, yeah. high. If you set the goal high and that means you can actually sell, you know, a $5 deck of cards instead of a $15 deck of cards, that's, yeah, that would have integrity too. It's just like, yeah, it's, I, I don't feel like the, the big sticker is the whole picture. 
if that makes sense. Like I felt like my big sticker was the, and the other thing is because that came up with your video editor and it came up with me with trying to follow through on shipping. It's just like, like, you know, now I have just enough books that they don't fit in my car, but I can't really afford to hire a truck. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, and your video editor, I think the, the big, the big number made him want more money. And he doesn't necessarily see the other sunk costs that are already involved in that. So, it, yeah, people, for me, I did international shipping. And so my big number included places that I had to, you know, I had to spend $24 to ship a $30 book. It's like yeah. it can oh. people think you have money and then the attitude shifts and and you're like, you know, you're if you're not careful on that budget, you know, that's where that's where delivering things in a milieu that you're familiar with. Right. Seems like a really good strategy. All right. I I wanna I wanna uh, get through my list now. And okay. Next, and so the thing I'm trying to say is, is make an excellent video, even though you guys are proving me wrong. I'm saying it's the most important thing um, out of all of this stuff is, is make an excellent video. Um, I'm, I'm suggesting under two minutes. Uh, I'm suggesting it is scripted and you stick to the script. You keep it crisp and quick and short and you have good music, not just music. Good music. Where do you get your music from, Paul? Um, that is a great question. Uh, so this time, Daniel made the video. Daniel picked the music. I think he did a great job. I thought the music is really fun on this. It's kind of um, a jazzy, piano-y thing, but it starts with a drum roll. And, and it, it's, you see, so it starts with black screen, and there's a drum roll, and then the, when the music starts, like a second later, then all the video comes up. And I thought that was kind of a fun little opening. Um, but it's it's a little bit kind of Dixie Jazz kind of sounding. Um, and then uh, on the previous videos, like uh, um, whoever was doing the video editing picked the video. And in fact, in one of the videos, we bought music. And that somehow triggered something on YouTube, like, that's not freely available music. And so then we had to provide proof that we paid for it. Right. Um, and then uh, um, I think, like, the video or the music that we're using now uh, was free. And um, like we got it from a, a, a site that, that's public domain music. Um and I think that for some of the other videos, it was public domain music. But the one time that we paid for it, it's like every time the video shows up in certain places, certain algorithms are kind of like, that's not free. We, you know, we've got that in our records as copyrighted music. So then we would have to, you know, go through all of this hassle of like suddenly you're guilty until you can prove your innocence. And so we kind of got in this position of like, Either we're going to have music custom made for us, or we're going to um, uh, get the public domain stuff. Now, the uh, the the Kickstarter that's the uh, uh, Betterwood Heat that was music that came from uh, Formidable Vegetable 
So we worked out a deal for them for the whole DVD set. And, um, but then it still gets caught up in the shit with YouTube because, um, the formidable vegetable music, uh, like they've decided to have this other company manage their music. And so then now there's the, it's part of the filter set out at YouTube to be watching for. So then we had to like suddenly go through all of that crap with YouTube. So what a, what a pain in the ass. Yeah. We, you didn't ask me, but I want to tell you about our music. Yes. Um, we ended up picking a band. I don't know if they're still publishing right now, but it was the Moonshine Band that I happen to know practices in a garage that's seated by a rocket mass heater. Oh, that's so cool. And they had just done a really nice music video where they were in the treehouse and on the rocket stove. And it's just like, so they were they were kind of getting their thing going. And so I asked them if they would consider letting us use some of their music and they gave me a, a license fee that would cover the Kickstarter and, and I asked could I also use it for you know speaking events and things like that can I have just really broad permissions and then I let my video editor pick which song was going to work best for him wow um, and so and I didn't have any of those problems that I'm aware of with it getting flagged by copyright but it may just be that they had been publishing through a little bit different mechanism than than the other guys that you were working with Paul yeah um, so yeah it was and and ours was I think they do kind of gypsy Django it was it was kind of an upbeat I I told the video editor you can pick what you want but but think about the idea that people might like the people who, who do this are the kind of people who are, are used to building things. They might want something that's good work party music, not just like trans contemplative. Like, like we want it to be moving. We want it to make you feel like doing something. Right. I think that most Kickstarter videos start with, and so they kind of follow a certain format. And so then they start with, like, I, I think all of my, my Kickstarter videos start with, I'm Paul Wheaton. And then, you know, you got to have a little bit of a story. And then uh, you transition into the Kickstarter question. And that is, are there enough people interested in, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and so that's why we're coming to you, you know. Uh, uh so then that's what, we, what you end on is, is, are you, are you interested? Do you want to, do you want one of these, you know, kind of a thing? You want our widget, whatever our widget is. And so, um, I think it's important. And, and that's another thing too is, is support a lot of Kickstarters. Um, I don't know if Kickstarters still show this. Okay. There it is. It's, uh, well, no, no, it's not showing it. It used to be that you would set up a Kickstarter, and when you would look at the Kickstarter page, then it would tell you how many Kickstarters has this person supported before. Um, and I'm looking at mine right now, but maybe it's just not showing it because um, it's uh, uh, it's me that's looking at it. So I'm trying to... Um, I'm, I'm loading up a different browser and I'm looking at it the different browser and it doesn't, it doesn't say anything. It used to, I mean, you could go and click on my name, but what it used to do is it used to say, Oh, Paul Wheaton has supported 40 Kickstarters. It does not tell you whether he spent a dollar or a hundred dollars. <laughs> so if, if, you know, 
if you're doing research and looking at what are good Kickstarters and what aren't, and you're sort of getting a feel for what makes you want to support it and what doesn't, um, I think I, I think I did something like 12 or 18 or something like that before I officially launched mine. Um, and some of them were things I really wanted and that were useful. And some of them were like cool art projects where I plunked down a dollar cause I thought Ernie would like the octopus picture. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was, yeah, there's a sense of community, but you also get, especially if you do some of the ones that are a fast turnover, like they're just putting out a Valentine's Day card or whatever, you, then you get to see what the process looks like for your audience. What are, you know, how do the updates get delivered? What are you, you know, how does it feel to be waiting and hearing from people a lot or not hearing from them? Um, so that was, you know, short of, short of actually doing a practice one, which I wish I'd done supporting some that were on kind of a fast turnaround. I felt like I got some pretty good information about what does it feel like to be a person supporting this and what's going to feel good to put out for my audience when they're doing that. I think the important thing is, is what is the general format of a Kickstarter video? And I think the Kickstarter videos always start with the person introducing themselves. And it's usually an individual. You know, I am a person. I am some person, one person. And my name is Steve, and this is my thing, and I wanted to do this project. And if I get enough support, I will do this Dumaflachi, and, and uh, you know, hope you support me. Thanks. So I think that the, the Kickstarter video needs to be uh, short, concise, uh, scripted, good music, edited, well edited. I think if it shows a lot of images – that's a good thing. A lot of variety. Um, I think that a poor Kickstarter video is going to be, you know, basically this, the exact same thing as the script. Um, in fact, I think Erica's first video had no music whatsoever, and it was Erica, a video of Erica all in one shot saying, I've written a book, and I want to publish it. You know, but I think it was like a 12-minute long video. <laughs> of just Eric yeah. talking and and she was far away and it was an echoey room and um I I kind of feel like I should send Juliana my video just for a confidence <laughs> booster like I think I think the fact that you can go from there to to so successful is is probably would be encouraging to anyone <laughs> Which was Julianne's video by the way, I mean, she started with music. She's got she's got a good music intro. I kind of wondered if maybe she should use something different for her Kickstarter than her regular intro music. But then she just stood in front of the camera and talked, and then it was over. And um, it, it and there were some edits, but it kind of seemed like, oh yeah, I cut out the part where I really rambled. <laughs> I actually didn't ramble in it at all. I didn't. I just felt like I I couldn't. Okay, so when I did my first Kickstarter, I had 2,000 subscribers, and my goal was for, like, $3,000 for my greenhouse. So I, I was setting higher than I actually had subscribers. And so I put a ton of effort into it, but I, I put the whole thing together in, like, 12 hours. But I heavily edited it. It, it talked about my everything, but I was really nervous, so I overdid it. It, it was a great video. This time I'm like, 
Okay, so now I have like 60,000 subscribers and all these views. Does that mean I, what does that mean? How should this video look? Should I just cut straight or should I heavily edit it? And it was, it was a huge disconnect from what I felt the first time I did a Kickstarter and I'm doing another Kickstarter, but my audience is different. And I just, I, I honestly just didn't know which would be better to just cut it straight or to do something that was highly polished. And now I know, but I didn't when I made it, I really didn't know which was better. Okay. So, uh, uh, I'm going to go with, I mean, A, look around, um, but B, I, I think it needs to be a, a, a pretty polished thing. It needs to be very media rich. Uh, it needs to be full of uh, pictures. And, and you're narrating. So you, so you start off, and there you are, and hello, and then there's going to be, like, lots and lots and lots of other imagery. And then, of course, lots of music to help kind of fill it in and make it seem rich. And so that's, I think, but if the, if the whole video is really short, then it's not that big of an effort. But if you do a 10 minute long video with a lot of video editing, that gets really hard to do. That's a, that's an enormous undertaking. So short helps make it, make the editing go faster. Okay. All right. I'm going to move past the video. Excellent primary image. Um, and then the funny thing is about the primary image on Kickstarter is that it has to look great when it's big and full-sized, and it has to look great when it's a thumbnail because they're going to shrink it down. And when Kickstarter has all these lists of all the active Kickstarters and the popular list and the best under this genre – uh, here's the stuff for Missoula. Uh, here's the stuff that's, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of like, okay. Uh, so they're going to show it in all kinds of different sizes for uh, different kinds of lists. Here's a list of three. So we use pretty big thumbnails. Here's a list of 50. So we use tiny thumbnails. And so you kind of need it to look good in, in all of those. Um, and so with our Kickstarter, our Kickstarter that's running now, then um, I think it looks very full and rich when it's at full size. Uh, it's got uh, pictures of 10 people, and it's also got pictures of little fun things for permaculture, and then it's got some text on it. Um, and then when it's shrunk really small, you can't make out all the faces, but you get the idea that, that there's 10 people involved. You can see that there are are 10 people, but you can't really, you know, get a clear idea of what they look like. And so we, I believe that as a thumbnail, it, it worked really well and as full-sized image. Did What did you think of my thumbnail? Because I thought my thumbnail was really good. I think your thumbnail was really good. Um, and so I'm trying to pull it up now. Where did I put that? Because I thought, I, you know, I had the homestead in the background. I had the YouTube logo, and then I had me with a very defined face <laughs> with well, an interesting look and and um of course you know you're trying to work you're trying to leverage your look um which is there it is i found it which is going to uh bring in uh a lot of a lot of people to your kickstarter once it gets listed on on kickstarter lists 
Um, and so then there's going to be a lot of people that will see, you know, they'll be looking at 10 thumbnails, and they're going to be like, okay, all these thumbnails, this one's a widget, this one's a, this thing, and this one's whatever, this one's a game, and this one's, and then this one's got a woman on it, and she's a pretty gal. And then so they're going to click on it to see, like, what's her story? So, yeah, I mean, um, when you talk about YouTube thumbnails, which is what part of what you're going to be doing is, like, what gets people to click on a, on a YouTube video? It's almost, it's, it's like, I don't know, 70 or 80% of it is, is the thumbnail. Right. And, and so it's like, you know, and, and we could go into a, a hour long conversation about YouTube thumbnails, but that's part of what you're going to teach. So as a YouTube thumbnail, it does, it does the, the job very well. Um, and so then I think that, you know, it's going to work very well and, and it's fine for as a large image also. And so, in fact, there might be a lot of people that are going to click on it just to see the thumbnail larger. And then congratulations, you got them to your page. Your thumbnail worked. So if my video was stronger, as strong as the thumbnail, then I would have done a good job. But I didn't. Well, we gotta, we've got so much more to talk about. <laughs> there's, there's going to be the video, and then there's also going to be your rewards, and there's also going to be, like, what is product. So I think, unlike Erica, I think that the product needs a slight shift. Okay. So you're offering to sell a video, and and I think that the thing to do is to sell a webinar. Okay. All right. All right. Um, the primary image. Okay, so we talked about the primary image. Um, Erica's primary image, I think, was from the book. It was like the cover of the book, right? Yeah, I got I got lucky with my publisher because they did one of those sort of nine panel book covers, and it just happened that when YouTube or not YouTube, the Kickstarter cropped it, it was like the title really big and a couple of interesting images on each side. It was just like it went it moved really well to Facebook. It was just like I did not have to work at it. I just used a high res version of the cover. The the version you would see now if you went to my Kickstarter, I think is actually not as strong. I, I put a, a picture from the cover that was a fire next to the whole cover because they changed the format for how big, the, like what dimensions the picture should be. That format changed the last week of my Kickstarter for all of Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, I got I got lucky on not having to put a lot of work into an image that translated pretty well as a thumbnail for Facebook. So see, I'm trying to pull it up. There it is. Oh, and it's also got it's it's half of it's the book and half of it's like the uh, a, a bunch of it's it, uh, kindling in a fire uh, inside of a rocket nest heater. So that 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 image it does okay, but I'm tired of uh, at this point it's gone out on every update and I'm really tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And anyway, I can um, I can pull the. I could I could show you one of the images if you want of what the you know just the middle of that cover is the title and a couple of photos one on each side and it's it you can see that there's more to it that's the other thing is that you can tell that it's cropped 
but you can still see a really clear thing, and then you can see that it's cropped, and if you click on it, you can see the whole thing. Okay. I'm more than halfway through my list, and I'm, I'm hoping that we'll go faster now, because I think we've already talked about a lot of stuff that's on my list that um, I, I we haven't gotten to yet. I'll check it off my list as we go, but we've already talked about it. All right, so next item I, I got is good rewards, and I've already talked about how I think that, you know, the your Kickstarter supporters should get the best price. And and rather, you know, and of course, setting a price is so difficult um, because you got to think like, am I selling a book for a hundred dollars to a hundred people, or am I going to sell a book for twenty dollars to five hundred people, or you know, what's going to be the sweet spot? Where do I set the price for this? And then um, then there's the whole thing of like. If you sell the book to people for $35 on your Kickstarter and then like immediately, you know, once the book is out, then your publisher starts selling it on Amazon for $24. Is that being respectful to your Kickstarter supporters? You know, cause they're basically sending, sending, you're telling your Kickstarter supporters, don't ever support one of my Kickstarters because I hate you. You suck. And I'll, <laughs> I will. I will allow you to buy my book as long as it's at a higher price. Um, and, and it's like, so I, I think it has to be the best price. Um, and it's like, granted, you know, if it's two, three years later, then they've had a, a big head start on getting the book and now you can start to drop the price. Um, I mean, I, I kind of feel like when a movie, brand new movie comes out, and you're going to go see it with your buddy, then, you know, prices now, it's like, it's going to be 20 bucks to see that movie. And then, um, but you know, if you wait three years, two of you could see it uh, at home for like a dollar. And so it's kind of like, so there's, there is some of that. Um, but I, I do think, though, that it's like, okay, why is it that I trusted you and put money in earlier, paid $35, but then this other guy that didn't trust you, they got it for $25. So um, and I, 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 I choose to travel this. Event. I want, if I come out with a Kickstarter, I want, I want to get 10 times more support for my Kickstarter than, you know, for the – than – then, uh, then have people wait or something like that because they can get it for cheaper if they wait. That's just me. Um, the other big thing is, and I don't know, Erica, how you did with this, but I, I try to put real substance at the $1 level. And this is, this is, I think, one of my clever strategies but um, I'm not sure if other people buy into it as, as much as I do. Uh, and that is that I think that a lot of people will come to a Kickstarter and then they'll, they'll see it. They'll, it'll be like, um, all right, um, I've got stuff available. I'm not sure if I want to do it. But on the other hand, if there's a bunch of stuff at the $1 level, then it'll be like, wow, a buck, and I can get all that stuff. And a lot of that stuff sounds like, stuff I would really like, then then they're in. They're in for a dollar. But once they're in, once they've crossed that line, then they're cool with getting a bunch of other stuff. So I 
I like the idea because I kind of feel like I see all these Kickstarters that's like, if you support our Kickstarter for $5, we'll send good vibes your way. And I'm kind of thinking like, seriously, you know, that, because now it, it seems like I'm supporting your thing. Um, why not just support it at a dollar? Do I get, you know, 20% of the good vibes that you get at $5? Because really, <laughs> I, get, I get the exact same amount of stuff, really, um, which is that they're going to do nothing at all. When the time comes that they're processing all of this stuff, they aren't going to sit there and say, mm, I'm sending good vibes to Erica right now. I, I, I suspect they don't actually do that. I think that it turns out to be a total lie. This podcast is continued in part three. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.